Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Rebecca Dusich is my guest today. She's currently the state's operations director for the Tom Steyer 2020 campaign. Prior to getting into politics, she was a litigation associate at Frost Brown Todd in Cincinnati. Her story highlights that sometimes your path is influenced by outside factors you couldn't predict. But the best thing you can do is be flexible and trust your gut. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) I know. Um, Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background, sort of where you're from, what took you to law school. Mm, Great. Yeah. Um, So I am, I was originally born in um, LA and um, shortly after moved, my family moved us to Indianapolis. So that's really where I grew up. Um, But I am in Cincinnati now since about 2006. Um, So this is, this is currently home. Um, Law school, I mean, is, I had something honestly that I always thought about and always was drawn to. I mean, from a very young age, you know, when, when people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, as long as young as like eight or nine, I would say, I want to be a federal judge. I don't know where I even like heard the term. I don't know where I heard the term. I did not know what it meant at the time, but like somewhere along the road, I had heard that that was a job that people do and thought it was cool and wanted to do it. So that's impressive. Like some people might just say lawyer, but you're like, no, screw that. Like federal judge. Yeah. I still, my mom loves to tell that story because it's like, where did she even get this from? We don't know. But yeah. So um, that's obviously not what I'm doing now, but it was, it was always um, kind of what I was drawn to. And, And as I as I grew up and, um, you know, learned more about what that meant, I kind of shifted more towards, um, you know, I wanted to do something political or, you know, I wanted, then I wanted to be a litigator. And, um, that was kind of all kind of snowballed into me eventually going to law school. Um, I went to law school a little later in life. I was, um, 29 when I started. So I had kind of another career before then to, um, mostly in, um, people management and, um, some security safety stuff. So, that was kind of part of it too, but um, it was always sort of in the air for me um, uh, from a very, very young age. So how did you like law school? Especially considering you went later in life, I think it's a different experience. It definitely is. I loved law school so much. I loved every minute of it. I mean, people say that it's like the worst, best three years of your life. And for me, it was just, it was just best, honestly. I loved it. I just, I mean, it was exhausting and it was a slog and, um, you know, there was definitely I had all of the stressful moments that everyone else did, but I, it was actually a really centering experience for me, I think, because it was something that I had always wanted to do and, um, you know, hadn't really had kind of given up on a little bit just because I didn't like undergrad quite as much. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, school wasn't really for me and how was I going to do with three more years of that? But, um, this from day one, all the way through to graduation, I, I loved every minute of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I grew a lot as a person and I'm and, and really glad, really, really glad that I went to law school. It's one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I would say that the majority of people I talk to, and if I'm talking to them, it's probably because they are not now practicing, <laughs> yeah. um, say the same thing. I think we all, it's funny, you know, it's not like 
the law school is necessarily an immediately bad decision for everyone. You know, right. I think it's it's uh, it's a common thing for us to have liked law school, but then potentially not stay in the practice. But yeah, did you have a focus in law school? Did you know, like, okay, I definitely want to do litigation? Um, I mean, not I honestly, not really. I I I had I had liked the idea of being a litigator because I just thought it sounded cool, and and you know, right. I think for um, you know, it's just I I love like you know, um, like police procedurals. And I just like always thought, right. you know, I, maybe I want to do that. Maybe I want to, I don't know. I, I, I really had no idea. I actually got like less and less focused as I got older, um, around, you know, what exactly I wanted to do. And, and when I started law school, there was some aspect of like, maybe I want to go into something political or, um, maybe I want to do nonprofit or, or whatever. And, um, you know, that ended up not the time that I did practice was obviously not, in that range at all but um yeah, yeah. but that I mean, was a thought in your head then yeah 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 so what uh practice did you go into after graduation then yeah so i um i worked for a 500 attorney uh corporate firm um enamel 200 firm and um i my practice was primarily in products liability and tort defense uh, most of my mm-hmm. clients were um, agricultural equipment and hand and power tool manufacturers, um, some consumer product manufacturers as well. Um, I did also some kind of front end, um, like compliance consulting a little bit as well. In addition to the litigation, um, uh, particularly around that was where most of my consumer product experience was. Um, cause there's just a lot of all the CPSP stuff and recalls and things like that, where you're trying to avoid litigation from the outset, um, right. did a little bit of that as well. Um, so, so yeah, and it was for a, for a, a pretty good size, um, litig- or I'm sorry, corporate firm. Um, yeah. yeah. What did you like or dislike about that practice? Mm-hmm. Well, so, <laughs> <A little> <laughs> push, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there was a lot of, there were actually a lot of things that I really liked about it. I loved being in court. I mean, obviously as a young lawyer, that wasn't something I got to do a ton of, but when I did, I mean, even just like scheduling conferences, I just loved, I loved it. I don't, it felt so important to me. And like, I was really doing something and, um, you know, I, um, I really loved that aspect of it, specifically the, the product liability and tort piece. Um, you know, I, I just think it's really interesting. I mean, I, a lot of the, the work that I was doing before I was an attorney was in the kind of safety and, um, like venue security space. So I dealt a lot with, um, you know, emergency preparedness and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I had kind of a, um, there's sort of like a sub genre of true crime that of people who are sort of fascinated by, um, like large loss, catastrophic disasters, especially, um, like fires and things like that. Um, yeah. it's kind of a weird, it, it, people always think that's a really strange thing to be interested in, but I love it and have for a long time. And, um, so kind of getting to do some of that, like fire and explosion stuff, like, you know, when somebody has, um, a business burned down or things like that, I, you know, I just, it, I don't know, it kind of piqued that oh, yeah. kind of interest for me a lot. Um, and you know, I, one of my biggest clients was a document storage company and fires were a major uh, part of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it's just, I, that, that piece of it was really interesting to me. Um, you know, I, as far as what I didn't like, it was, it was definitely tough. I think, um, people don't, nobody warns you about how isolating and lonely being an attorney can be. Um, cause you know, I mean, yeah, sometimes you're in court and yeah, sometimes you're working with a team and, and, um, you're always going to have partners that you're reporting up to and talking to your clients and whatever, but 
a big chunk of the job is you sitting at your desk by yourself, staring at a computer and neither reading or writing. And especially in the first few years before you're in like a more of a strategy role. And, um, you know, that was, that was really tough for me, especially like, you know, I worked in an office that, um, you know, there was a lot of glass everywhere and everything. So it was very bright and well lit, but it was, you know, unlike a lot of law offices, but, um, but you know, my, you know, everybody was in their offices with, you know, the doors kind of almost always closed and, and people, didn't even really like walk past and say hi. So I was just, I was just by myself oh, wow. a lot. And, um, that was that it's tough for me because I'm, I'm a pretty social person and, um, I like being part of a team and never really felt like one. Um, and I think too, there is kind of the, that, um, that aspect of, you know, not that any of my clients were bad people, but, um, you know, it is, it can be sort of draining emotionally to be the person who has to, you know, look at someone who, you know, just as an example, like is paralyzed following, um, you know, a lawnmower accident and, um, to look at their family and, and say like, you don't deserve to be compensated for this. And like, that's, that can be hard. That sounds really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's tougher. Like I, you know, I did a little bit of sort of randomly, um, like a state litigation too, um, where, you know, we would just have existing clients. It wasn't really a practice of the firm, but it, you know, we would have existing clients who had some problem and, you know, they, we would just take it on for them kind of in these sort of one-off things. And, um, that was really draining too. I mean, it was just like these, these, it's people's lives. And, and, um, I just felt like I was sort of on the wrong side of, of some of those disputes. Um, and just, right. I, I just didn't, I didn't love that part of it at all. <laughs> um, yeah, again, not that they yeah. were bad people, not that they wanted, you know, nobody wanted anybody to get hurt, but sometimes it happens and, and it's horrible and you want people to, to just have, I mean, their medical bills like can be outrageous right. and, and, um, I mean, you're human, you yeah. feel bad, you know, of course, right. it's sort of, it's, you're stuck sort of between two, two priorities yeah. and it's, I, I, that not every, not every practice area has that particular um difficulty as much but that sounds very hard so you were there for a couple of years was it sort of building as you were feeling like this how did you start thinking about leaving and sort of what you would do next Mm -hmm. yeah well so for me (laughs) you know I I graduated from from law school in 2016 and um you know I that was obviously an important year for our country politically. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I took the bar during that, that election cycle. And, um, you know, I got, I passed the bar, got my score at the end of October, was sworn in, um, of like the, the Monday before election day. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so for me, it was literally like, I was licensed to practice. And then almost immediately, I wanted to be doing something else. Um, because, you know, I, the election ended the way that it did. And, um, that, that day really felt like not to get dramatic, but it, it felt like a death to me and inauguration day felt like a funeral. And I, I was grieving. Um, and, and it just almost immediately got harder and harder with each passing day to spend so much of my time, um, doing something that I, I don't, I, I, firmly don't believe that I was, you know, making my world worse, but I certainly was not making my world better. And, um, you know, I had been always um, involved in politics, sort of, um, I had kind of relegated that part of myself and my life to nights and weekends. And, um, you know, when you're a corporate litigator, you don't have a lot of nights and weekends to yourself. Um, So it just I was spending so little time doing the things that 
really filled me up and, and, um, and, you know, made me feel like my, I was up to something and like my life was, was worth something. And, um, and, and all of this time doing things that, um, you know, it, it just felt more and more kind of pointless to me over time. Um, the, the kind of breaking point for me was when, um, Anthony Kennedy announced that he was uh, retiring from the Supreme Court. Oof, that was a rough. <laughs> what? You know, you're trying to rank how rough all these days were, and I'm just like, oh yeah, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. It was a really bad one. Yeah, yeah. And um, I truly, honestly, I, um, I, I, we, you know, people kind of knew that it was coming, but um, I, there had been a rumor that, or well, not even a rumor, like it, it was public information that he had actually hired clerks for his next term. So I, I had sort of like um, soothed myself with that and was like, okay, he's <laughs> right. going to stay for at least another year. We're, we're okay for now. And then, you know, the last day of that term in 2018, at the end of June, he announced, um, that he, that he was retiring and it just, it was like 10 30 on a, on a Thursday morning, I think. And I literally just like, I went over to my secretary's desk and was just like, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to work from home for the rest of the day. And I, I left the office, um, which was, I, you know, not a typical way of, 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 um, people don't just leave the office. Uh, but I did, I literally just, I walked out and I, um, I didn't quit that day, but I, I, I went home and, um, and updated my resume and started looking for jobs like immediately. Um, and, um, yeah, haven't, haven't looked back. So. I mean, this is what I think is, you know, you can lay your plans perfectly, Mm -hmm. but you never know what's going to happen, whether it's your, your personal life or the world around you, that there are things out of your control that are going to possibly trigger your perspective to shift, um, that you can't anticipate. You just have to react to it in, in real time. So, so it makes total sense to me that that would be a trigger to reevaluate what you were doing. Yeah. Um, so you decided to give notice and then you went on to what? <laughs> so, um, I actually, yeah, I, so when I started looking for, for jobs, um, you know, that, I mean, like I said, that, that day, uh, you know, I, I initially was kind of exploring the possibility of, of, you know, kind of being a movement lawyer and, and, um, doing, um, you know, something public interest or, or impact litigation or, or something in that realm. And, um, it was kind of, two things for me that were going on during that process. Um, one, like, like I said before, the, the, how isolating being an attorney can be, um, and the things that I didn't like about it, a lot of that was still going to be true no matter who I was representing. And so, um, you know, because I was already kind of taking this moment and this, this change in my career, um, it was also an opportunity to really evaluate, um, you know, kind of what I was, um, what I was actually doing and, and not just who I was doing it for. And, um, so I, you know, in that job search, I, I decided to, you know, just kind of expand my horizons a little bit and say, okay, I'm going to look at movement lawyer jobs, but I'm also going to look at, um, at things in that realm that are not strictly, um, legal jobs. And so I ended up, um, applying for, and very quickly being hired onto a team, um, for, um, an organization called Need to Impeach, which, um, is just like the name suggests an organization that, um, exists strictly and solely to, um, advocate on behalf of the impeachment of Donald Trump. And um, I was in an organizing role. So um, I was responsible for an eight state region um, with the organization and, um, and um, effectively was working to 
um, bring people into that movement and um, then to put them to work in trying to make um, impeachment a reality, um, kind of a combination of like grassroots lobbying. Um, and, um, you know, in, because this was obviously 2018, there were the midterms and everything. We did a lot of like get out the vote stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was strictly organizing and um, and not a, a legal job at all. <laughs> When you when you took that, was your thought process, this seems like the right fit for me now? Mm. Or had you made a decision in your head that you're like, okay, this is a break. Practice isn't for me. I'm moving away. Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, it was a little of it was a little of both, I guess, that, um, you know, I, I think that what you said, this this is a break. Um, it was an opportunity to take a break. Um, I, I kind of approached it as you know, this is something um, that I'm going to try. And and that was explicitly temporary, obviously, right from the outset. Right. That's a, I mean, no matter kind of what happens, even in um, this next election, reelected or not, eventually not going to be president anymore. So that organization will no longer need to exist. Um, and right. and um, so I knew that it was going to be temporary and um, just kind of wanted to, to give that a shot for a while. Um, there was always the possibility that I might go back to practice. Um, but I wanted to, to kind of do something else and see what that was about. So it was, it was an opportunity to sort of like step away for a bit and then reevaluate. And I was sort of open to, to either option being what unfolded for me. Next, that makes sense. Yeah. But you weren't, you didn't feel some fear that you could never go back to practice at that point. I mean, it definitely, I definitely had that anxiety for sure. Um, it, it was something that I worried about. It was something that a lot of people in my life worried about too. Not so much, not, <laughs> yeah. not so much the lawyers, but um, everybody else. And, um, you know, it, it, it was definitely a, a, an anxiety that I experienced. But I think by the time I actually left my practice and went to go do this other line of work, I, um, you know, I had kind of gotten over that and, and really felt like, yeah, there's no reason that I can't do this for a year and a half and then go do something else. I knew I knew definitely that I was stepping away from big law litigation permanently because nobody was going to take me back after doing that. Um, but I, but I was okay with that. I I knew that, you know, I, if I go back to being a lawyer somewhere down the road, it's not going to be in that world. Um, so that's fine. It was okay. Walking away from that. opportunity. Yeah. And was there any aspect of, you know, you go from a big law firm making big law firm money to mm-hmm. I am imagining doing organization for a nonprofit is is less lucrative. <laughs> um, was there was that a difficult process for you or how did you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely I definitely took a, a significant pay cut and um, had to kind of readjust accordingly. I think, um, you know, I, I definitely that was a big part of why I wanted to stay in the Midwest. Um, a lot of those kinds of organizations that I was looking at are um, on the coast or in Chicago. And um, that kind of um, those kinds that kind of work in those really expensive spaces is tough. Um, Cincinnati has uh, the lowest the lowest cost of yeah. living of any municipal statistical area over two million people um, in the country. So, wow. yes, it's a very cheap place to live. Yeah. I went the other direction. I took a fifty percent pay cut and moved to New yeah, York. Yeah, and you, so you know, you know how hard that can be. I was really trying to avoid that. Yeah, so, so I, yeah, so that seems like a very smart yeah. way to approach it. Um, so I, I wanted to stay here and 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 was able to do that, which I'm really um, glad I could do. And um, you know, but the reality is too. I think the thing that that people there's a couple of things that people don't take into consideration. It's like first of all, there is no price that you can put on your daily happiness, and just like the relief that I felt of not um, like hating going to work every morning, um, was, um, was immense and made such a huge difference that like, I didn't need to even things like, 
you know, um, just, I had this, had developed this kind of like online shopping habit that like was how I sort yes. of self-soothe. I think we all do. Yes. And, um, it was, yes, I think it's a thing. Yeah, I really think <laughs> it's, well, and I, yeah, because it's like you, you, you're making all this money and you need to feel like it's worth it. And so you just like surround yourself with all this stuff that it's like, you wouldn't be able to have this. And, and it brings you this little bit of joy, um, that you feel like you can tie to what you're doing. And, um, and, right. and so that was, that was definitely part of it that like, I just, um, that made that money kind of that shift in, in income, you know, manageable was that I didn't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. But even just like, I mean, my costs went down in a lot of ways. Like I'm working for an, or I was working for an organization that, you know, covered all of my medical expenses. Whereas for a law firm, I was paying $500 a month for a high deductible HSA. And like, that's money that, you know, yeah. that was stayed in my pocket. And, you know, I had to pay $210 a month for a parking pass because I was going downtown versus, you know, um, my right. office. And it's like, it's, I, um, those kinds of things, my, my take-home pay, even though I took a 30% pay cut, my take-home pay was actually not that much lower. It was like $200 less because of all of those expenses. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just an important thing to think through is like to think about what your own spending habits yeah. are and, you know, how much could you really adjust that without, you know, a, a sort of enjoyment going down. Mm-hmm. And I think people get so, you know, golden handcuffed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets harder and harder. Yeah. So what I always think is, you know, it, it's easier to do earlier than yeah. later. Yeah, um, and, sure. and there are ways to work around the financial. I mean, look, there's some real financial things, particularly if you have a lot yeah. of debt. Um, but, but to not use that as the first excuse to not leave mm-hmm. and you know just say I can't even think about it because yeah. of the money. Well part. and I mean it it really um, is, yeah, just like the day to day of um, you know, I not having to order takeout for dinner every single night because I don't have the energy to go grocery shopping or cook or the time to do it. And it's yeah. like that that small shift, like I mean that's the amount of money that that saves you. And I so I feel like I'm I'm yeah. constantly talking to people about like I, my, my lifestyle, like financially really didn't change that much, even though I took a big pay cut and that's not gonna be true for everybody, but it was for me. And I, you know, uh, it was something I worried about so much, but that just ended up kind of not, not being even really an issue. And honestly, the job that I'm in now, I'm making more than I was before. So, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us, <laughs> so you, you were at the, the one place for how long? Um, about, uh, just under a year. Um, and, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and then, then what prompted you to move and where did you go next? Yeah. So, um, what prompted me to move? Uh, I, my, so my boss decided to run for president <laughs> and, yeah, well, do it. um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I was asked to, uh, to come onto the campaign. And, um, so I, I technically am in a sense working for the, I'm working for the same people, uh, but just, um, in a different role now, um, working for, for the campaign instead of, instead of that, uh, that, um, nonprofit organization I was with before. And what is your role in the campaign? Yeah. So, um, my, uh, my title is state operations director, which basically means that everything outside the four walls of the campaign's headquarters, um, with respect to, um, hiring, uh, merch and lit, uh, acquisition and distribution, um, as well as, uh, managing all of our, um, state-based and, uh, state-based HQs and, um, as well as, uh, the field offices. So, um, you know, identifying, um, leasing, managing, maintaining all of the sort of physical space involved in a field program outside of HQ for the campaign. So 
it's that sounds very different. Uh-huh. You know, it's not a policy no. role. It doesn't Mm-mm. sound like it's an operations role. So, you know, did you, is it, does it feel new and different and challenging for you? How, you know, why do you feel like you ended up in that versus something more policy? Because I think as lawyers, we sort of feel like the policy mm. stuff is the more natural stuff. Yeah. And it, I did too, honestly, when, when, um, when, you know, we realized that, um, that, you know, this campaign was going to be happening. And when that was, you know, shared with us and we were asked to move over, you know, I was definitely given the opportunity to explore my possibilities. I knew that I didn't want to, um, not that I didn't want to do organizing anymore, but I felt like it was a good chance to try something a little different. And that maybe was kind of putting that legal experience to use. And, um, I, I explored the policy area, but, um, you know, when we, I think the thing that people don't realize, especially in the context of, um, presidential campaigns that, um, the policy work is, is a lot of kind of being in a quiet room, um, (laughs) just kind of knocking out, um, white papers about, you know, whatever particular issue, um, you're being asked to, to look into. And, um, it's, it's, a little more kind of disconnected from the the day to day kind Academic. of yes yeah absolutely and yeah. and sort of the 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 excitement of campaign life doesn't touch that area quite as much as um, as one might think and and so you know the more that I thought about that um, the more I felt like it, it just wasn't the way to go um, I think also you know I um, there is also you know, obviously a legal team, um, on a presidential campaign, I kind of explored that a little bit as well, but, um, you know, it, it can be very sort of corporate, um, in the sense you're just, you know, dealing with like FEC compliance and dealing with, you know, um, the labor and employment aspect of, of, you know, how many people it takes to, to build a campaign. And, um, you know, it, uh, it just, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to do any of that. This is how I always felt when people are like, you take a cool, a a cool industry and say, Oh, you could work as a lawyer in that cool <laughs> yeah. industry. But then you're like, yeah, but you're still doing the boring <laughs> stuff you do in the first place. It doesn't really matter. Like yeah. you're like, yeah, you're cool decent, but it's not actually <laughs> that big of a difference in your experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like the day to day of that job wouldn't be that different from what I was doing before. And it just I didn't want to go back right. to that. And so um, you know, we talked about um, what my different options were and um, realized that there there was this kind of need for um, a legal mind in the, the operations team. I mean, my my I report to the, the COO, um, who is also an attorney. Um, but, you know, um, so it's, you know, not to say that that wasn't already part of the mix, but, um, you know, to, to have the person who like using as an example, like negotiating a lease for commercial space for a, a state you like right. to have a legal mind in that mix um, and, you know, being responsible for hiring, there's that labor and employment mix too, but I get to actually be involved in the day-to-day of the campaign in a way that's not the case in those other roles. And so it just felt like kind of a perfect fit. Um, and also combining the experience sort of, um, career number one of three now, um, you know, where managing people and and I've done, you know, uh, spent a lot of my life doing, um, the kind of hiring and, and, um, project management and, um, you know, budget and capital projects and things like that, where, um, you know, a lot of that experience kind of tapped into. So it feels like I'm in a role now that sort of builds on, on everything that I've done so far. Um, yeah. And that's gotta be a great feeling, right? Because I think part of what people get scared about with leaving the law is that you spent all this time and money and energy to get this credential. And then you feel like, well, I can't just throw it in the trash, mm-hmm. but you're not throwing it in the no. trash. You're like using it in, in your case in pretty, pretty clear ways. And it helps you be better at a job that's not technically yeah. legal. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. 
but it must be in terms of, um, you know, your experience, it, I would imagine the work-life balance isn't necessarily better working on a campaign. No, um, I, it's interesting because I, you know, if someone were to ask me like how, how, you know, comparing how I felt about my work-life balance then versus now, it was way worse, way worse in, in, uh, in corporate litigation. But the actual, if I were to sit down and be like, okay, how, how much time do I actually spend at work on a given day, it, I mean, it's leaps and bounds. I'm, I'm at work 24 hours a day. And um, it's, right. you know, there's the, the number of nights that you're like taking a conference call at, you know, 11 p.m. Because it's the only time that yeah, you can yeah. connect with your coworkers because you were doing so much during the day. Like that is far more of a thing in the, in the world that I'm in right now. But I love what I'm doing. And so um, it just it doesn't feel anywhere near as draining. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And I mean, the nature of a campaign is also that it is yeah. finite. It won't go on yeah. forever, um, which is both a good thing because I think you can throw yourself into it in every yeah. way, knowing that it isn't something you have to do forever. But I would imagine that it also, you know, could be somewhat stressful knowing, okay, what, what happens next? Yeah. You know, yeah. do you have any thoughts about what where you would go after? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it, it obviously, um, it, it depends on uh, how this goes for us. I mean, um, it's, it's one of those right. things where, um, you know, maybe this goes through November of 2020. And then I'm looking at, you know, um, at, at a whole other set of, of opportunities that could be really cool. Um, or, or maybe it doesn't. And, um, you know, I, I find myself kind of, um, you know, looking for looking for work. And I, I think, um, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that have sort of, um, popped up for me just, you know, in thinking about what I would do next. And, um, you know, I think, um, doing this type of work, um, you know, it, it's unusual for any kind of campaign outside of uh, a presidential to actually have someone who is, um, in an operations role. Cause they just like space wise, you don't, you don't need somebody focusing on this sort of thing for like a congressional campaign, but there are a lot of moving parts that I'm responsible for that someone needs to know how to do in those sorts of campaigns. So um, I think yeah. that, um, you know, I really, I enjoy this a lot. And um, I'm, I'm very happy to be doing it and um, could see myself, I think, um, kind of making a career out of, out of, out of contributing in this specific way. Um, you know, I think there also yeah. um, is kind of a, um, a lack of, um, you know, in Cincinnati and Ohio generally, um, you know, there are people who, who kind of consult on this sort of thing. Um, but there are not organizations like that, that are, um, you know, owned and run by women. So that's something that's kind of occurred to me too, that like, um, that's yeah. something I could, um, kind of build and, and establish. And I mean, it, obviously, um, you know, I, I don't expect, um, this, what I'm doing right now to be ending anytime soon. So, um, you know, it's something I, worth thinking about, but I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I mean, that's kind of what is floating around my mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, and, and the beauty of it is that you are having this experience, which is opening your eyes and probably prompting some creativity about what, you know, a possible next mm -hmm. step would be, um, versus when you just stay at the same place, you don't grow your experiences and your skills and so you still have kind of a narrow sense of what yeah. the options are um because 
named a bunch of things I would never have really thought were jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but you're in that space. So now right. you know that, right? You know where the holes are and you know what the opportunities are. So um, so I think that's really yeah. cool. Um, so, you know, is there any advice you would give people thinking about whether they're unhappy in their practice or, you know, what would you tell them about how to approach potentially making a change? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think number one, uh, practically speaking, um, the, the really, you know, like you said, not to just write off the idea of taking a pay cut off the bat without sitting down and really thinking about what your expenses actually are and, um, and, and taking into account the, the dollar value of, of, how how your life changes and how much better you will feel every day. If you are that unhappy, there is no amount of money that yeah. is really actually worth feeling that unhappy. And um so I, I just would really encourage people to to um to just give themselves some room and um to trust that it will work out. I know that's you know not gonna be true for everybody. Um, and you do, I mean, like, for example, you know, there are, there were limitations for me. I could not, there was no way with the amount of debt that I have that it could make sense for me to move to, to, you know, to DC or, or LA and, and, and work for an organization that was going to pay me, you know, below poverty wages in those communities, basically. And um, <laughs> like, it just wasn't yeah. going to work. So I had to think about it, but um, to let it stop you, I think is, um, is ill-advised. And I find myself constantly kind of telling people, um, yeah. but I think the, the, the other thing that I didn't anticipate um, being as much of a concern for me personally as it was, is I, I was so worried about how people were going to react to me um, leaving, leaving the profession. I was so worried about feeling like a failure and feeling like I hadn't um, been able to, like I couldn't hack it. Um, and I, I really, I, I had all of this anxiety about that, but it wasn't rooted in reality at all. Like I was sort of like preemptively you know, because I expected people to react in a certain way, I was like sort of feeling preemptively ashamed in response to this sort of perceived judgment that never came. Like I, right. I, my dad was really worried about my student loans and, and, you know, wanted to to do the math to make sure I was going to be okay. Um, but everybody else was kind of like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Kind of what we expected you to be doing all along. And, um, you know, I had sort of, I had spent all this time twisting myself up and not worried about what people are going to think. And, and they didn't care, you know, I mean, I, and the reality is that like, I, 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 I get that experience on my resume for the rest of my life. I'm always going to be somebody who has like done corporate litigation for an MLA 200 firm. I'm always going to be somebody who went to law school and no matter what happens, nobody can take those experiences away from me. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I did really well in law school and that is, that is also something that can't ever be taken away from me. That will always be on my resume, will always be on my LinkedIn profile. Right. And, and you can't, um, that, that belongs to me permanently, no matter what I do. Um, so who cares? <laughs> like, relax and just, right, yeah. Right, No, but I <laughs> just, I totally get it, though. It's like this sense that, that there is going to be some outside judgment mm -hmm. about it and that the value of what we've spent our time doing will then become yeah. zero. But the reality is that that's not true, that most people are supportive of you moving to do something that will make yeah. you happier. And it is, you know, helped by the fact that you have this yeah. experience and degree. So yeah, I, I think that's really, really good advice. Um, 
So, well, listen, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, this has been a really, really great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me. Um, is there anywhere where people could find you on a website or anything you want to um, let people know about? Content? Yeah, I mean, um, I love Twitter followers. I am extremely online for how old I am. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, I definitely, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's um, I'm at Beaker Luhu, which is B-E-E-K-E-R-L-O-O-H-O-O. Um, and I very grown up and uh, professional of me for to have that be my Twitter handle. But um, yeah, check me out there, I guess. I mean, that's really, that's really the best place. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Yes, same for me. All right, <laughs> bye. One thing I took away from this conversation is how important it is to match your personality and strengths to your work environment and culture. Rebecca realized that at her particular firm, people kept to themselves a lot. Working alone in an office all day didn't suit her. Being on a team is one of her strengths, and she didn't feel that she could lean into that. Not working in your strengths can be really, really draining. On the flip side, even though her current job has longer hours and more stress, because it suits her better, she's happier. I also think Rebecca had a great perspective on how to manage the financial challenges of leaving the practice of law. Although she was interested in politics and policy, things that might naturally take her to a place like D.C., she realized she was going to have to focus her search locally in Cincinnati in order to make it work. Don't rule out a transition preemptively because you don't believe you can align your goals and your finances. Try to think creatively. Finally, Rebecca had a piece of advice I think we can all use at some point. Don't spend time worrying about what other people are going to think of your move. I realize that's easier said than done, but it's your life. You have to live it every day. So if you can get clear on what you want, really try to tune out the naysayers. <laughs>